Hello, Texans, and welcome into NRG Stadium in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you to recap the start of rookie minicamp. Johnny, they're off and running, and it was so good to get to the Houston Methodist Training Center. They were inside today with the weather, and it was so good to see Texans at work. And I say Texans at work because not too many familiar faces, really. I mean, you had 45-plus guys out there and not a whole lot that we've seen before. Obviously, Jester Wea and a few guys mm-hmm. like that. But it was mostly new faces, and it was fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun to get out there and see practice again. And just just football practice. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good thing. You know, when you're with a college, university, spring practice takes place in Late February, March, maybe on into April. Right. Like you get that itch scratched a whole lot earlier. You gotta wait mm. all the way to May for the rookies to come in and then the vets will get going, I think coach said today, May twentieth. Yep. So they'll start they'll get the full ninety man roster together. But I, I love I love this process because you got so much going on. You like you mentioned, there are a few guys that are eligible for it that were in the building last year, guys like Steven Mitchell. Uh, Davin Bellamy got a lot of practice, practice squad guys that mm-hmm. you can have that have eligibility. Case Keenum did that back in 2013. And then you've got your draft picks, so everybody wants to see them. Then you've got college free agents, guys that have been signed that the official list went out today, so we can actually talk about who's on that list. And then you've got guys that are trying out, guys looking to just find any morsel of opportunity. To be able to make the night, just make the ninety-man roster, oh, yeah. and I think of Corey Moore. Corey Moore was a tryout guy, and Corey Moore, I, I remember seeing him on a list. I was like, "Oh, Corey Moore, I remember him from Georgia on a tryout list." Gets on a ninety-man roster, eventually finds his way onto the team, ended up playing big minutes and uh, and a big role for this team for a few years uh, before uh, you know last year, and then he ended up with the Colts. So he he's a guy that came through that tryout process. It can happen going through that particular process. So you got. All of that merging into these two, three days of rookie minicamp. So I find it very, very interesting. Yeah, they're not hitting anybody. They're not doing anything other than you know really going through a passing camp, so to speak, as Bill O'Brien has said. But I just love that cross-section of all that going on. Well, after practice was over, Bill O'Brien gave us a taste of what he was seeing. You know, it's a little bit like you know an orientation to training camp. It's not training camp, but we're getting them ready. For, for that type of routine, get up early in the morning, you know, get something to eat, take care of your body, be ready for the meetings, walk through, practice. So it's definitely an orientation type of uh, schedule, and these guys are doing a good job. It's a great group of guys. They they were, you know, ready to go last night, wide-eyed. You know, all those guys are always a little bit nervous, and uh, they, they did a nice job of paying attention, came out here today and worked hard. And obviously, Johnny, you mentioned it, the tryout guys. They want to be part of that 90-man roster. The undrafted free agents already are, basically. But Bill O'Brien said, being on that 90-man roster, don't sell that short. Yeah, everybody wants to be on the 53, but the Texans have had some opportunities for guys from the 90 to make that final 53 after the fourth preseason game. I think anybody that's on the 90-man roster, I mean, I, I, did, I talked to this, these guys last night. I mean, if you look at uh, our the, the 65 guys – that are here right now, before we add these guys on Monday, 28 of those guys are undrafted. So think about that. 28 guys out of the 65 guys that are here right now are, were not drafted in their career. Now, that doesn't mean they were necessarily under, undrafted Texans, but undrafted somewhere, some of them from the Texans. I think there were, 
between 15 to 18 guys over the last couple of years on our 53 that were undrafted. So really the message is it, the, the draft is important. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's a small portion of the, the roster building. You have seven draft picks. You have 35 guys out here. So if you're on the 90-man roster, I think we've proven as an organization if it's what you do when you get here. It's not, a, it's not how you got here. It's what you do when you enter the building from that point forward. How do you produce on the field? How do you pay attention to meetings? You know, how do you improve on a daily basis? It's all about improvement. And we've had plenty of guys over the years that were not drafted, uh, that, that made our football team and made, made big plays for us. Bill O'Brien after the rookie minicamp practice today, and it should be noted that he ended the media session with Go Rockets because it's a huge game <laughs> for the Rockets tonight. So Go Rockets, good luck to them as they try to stay alive in the second-round series and fourth Game 7 at Golden State. It's not going to be easy. I don't care who's in, who's out. This is tough stuff. Great players on both sides, so it's going to be fun to watch this one tonight. Do you have any thoughts on that? Of course I do. I'm ready for Game 6. <laughs> okay, good. I, I, here's, here's, the, uh, here's my real quick thought about Game 6. There's more pressure on the Rockets tonight than has been on the Rockets in a very long time. Because of who's out for Golden because State? Because Durant is out, and... The talk what was our talk last offseason. Uh, if Chris Paul is playing, they win the series. Well, Durant's now out, and all your guys are healthy. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know. Go for it. There's a Do boatload, it. a boatload of pressure on the Rockets. It's I think tonight. pressure on both teams, and you know who's got more pressure. I love this kind of talk because I think when they're out there playing, and you know, yeah. you you were an athlete or still are, I guess, but you've played at a high level of competition. You know that. Once you're out there slugging it, mm-hmm. you know, you just go. Yeah. You just go, and what just happens go. happens. Mm-hmm. And I think pressure comes into play with free throws or whatever, and I can't speak for them, but it'll be really interesting to see how things unfold, particularly in the fourth quarter if it's close. Yes. We'll find out tonight. All right, more on Rookie Minicamp, Johnny. Let's get into some of the nitty-gritty here as to what we saw today, and we'll get into some of the tryout guys later. However, I know a, a lot of people are thinking out there, well, who are the quarterbacks? Who's out there slinging the rock in rookie minicamp? Because, like I said, you have over 45 guys out there on the practice field. You have a full squad out there having a practice, which is just amazing to me. Out of thin air, all of a sudden we have football at NRG Center, at the Houston Methodist Training Center. And, yeah, there are some guys that we know, but there are a whole lot of guys that we don't know well. But they're out there looking pretty good amongst themselves. I know they're young, but... It looked pretty believable. Now, Jordan Ta'amu, the rookie from Mississippi. So Ole Miss rookie is at the Oakland camp last week, and he's here this week. That's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. I think he throws a good ball. I, I really do. I mean, just watching him live. I mean, I saw him, and we saw him the first game of the year here. They played Texas Tech in that first game, and he throws a beautiful pass to DK Metcalf, I think, in the second play of the game. And I, I told the guys there, in fact – uh, I went on Mississippi Radio earlier uh, before the show started, and they asked me about that. And I just said I was surprised. He's, a, I was surprised he wasn't drafted. B, I was surprised he didn't sign. But C, I'm very happy that he's he's here because he throws a nice ball. I wouldn't yep. be surprised to see him as a guy that, that they could they could develop. He's got a great demeanor. He doesn't get too rattled. Just kind of like that, that about him. But they got to decide if it's worth a spot on the 90. Well, yeah. And it'll be interesting, you know. It, I well, don't know what they do with him. He's a big guy, 6'3", 221. I think he'll find his way into somebody's camp somehow right. if it's not here. Right. And I think there will be an injury. There will be something that happens. Yep. 
he'll find his way. I, I just think he throws he throws too nice a ball. I mean, you watch it and you're like, boy, he's got some RPMs on that. He can I really. Both QBs look pretty good today. Well, the other one is Jay Kristoff, who out of TSU mm-hmm. and. Where I crossed over with Kristoff was a, a couple of years ago. I called a TSU-HBU game, and it was the first time those teams had played, and it was the second game of the year. And so I had studied all week to with Kristoff. He had been in the lineup against Prairie View, and in that game he got he got banged up. And so there was, like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And so I studied him all week and watched him all week going into the game. I was real excited to see him, and then he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play. The big receiver, I can't remember at the time, uh, that they had as well. He was like six six, and they they hooked up in the Prairie View game, and so I was looking forward to seeing that. But then Jay, I think, was hurt. I think that's what it was. I think he was hurt, but he didn't play in that game, and so they turned it over to Jalen Hurts' brother, Avarian Hurts. So mm-hmm. I called that game, and I was really, I wish I could have gone back, and I wish Jay would have played so I could have gone back and see my thoughts. But what I liked about Jay is he can do a lot of different things on the football field. Yeah, a lot he could be a Joe things. Webb type, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that you could use in a lot of different ways. So. A guy like that, uh, how many times have we heard Bill say, hey, the more you can do, yeah, the more you can do. So if that works for a guy like that, that might be a guy that you, you're you more apt to bring to your 90-man roster because of the things that he can do. Look, Jordan plays quarterback, and I think he does. he's a better quarterback than Jay, but Kristoff can go down on a lot of different special teams do those kind of things too with your 90-man roster. Right. Well, we'll get into some of the tryout guys a little bit more deeply later including the guy whose name I like best, whose first name I like best, and I'm a play-by-play guy, so I like names that are going to come in handy during calls. So I'll tell you what that is, and I know people are on the edge of their seats with that one. Oh, I know what it is. All right, let's go. I know you know. Let's go into the draft picks here because we saw, for the first time, Titus Howard, your first-round draft choice. Mm -hmm. We saw Max Sharping, another tackle taken in the second round. We saw those two guys get to work. Now, it's rookie minicamp. There are no pads. They're not... They're going at it hard in the sense that they're exerting themselves, but you're not going to get a great taste of one-on-one pass rush drills. There's no <laughs> Oklahoma drill going on this weekend. Yeah. There's nothing like that. But those guys kind of looked like they belonged out there, so that was nice. And they're large individuals. That's my expert oh, opinion. Yeah. They're large individuals. Very much so. And, again, it's a passing camp, so you try and just watch how they work technique and, and how they move. Titus moves very fluidly for a big guy. Mm. I mean, 320 pounds, 322 he's listed at. He carries that pretty well. I mean, you, he's like, he's 322. He moves very well. Max Sharping, like I said on, on draft night, like he's one of the largest individuals I've seen. I mean, yeah. I stood next to him like, this guy's a mountain. I've had three different people tell me exactly what you said because you said you saw him in a cafeteria, and you're like, he's – I was like, I yeah. know, right? Yeah. So you have that thought when you see Max. Now – Watching both of them, you can tell they're they're raw, they're raw, and they're gonna have you know. Take, when you watch NFL guys, and you watched them for a while, and then you watch college guys, and you see the college guys in your environment, it's amazing how much it's like okay, okay, these things have got to change because you're, they're in the uniform you're used to right. looking at, they're on the field you're used to looking at, and you're right. used to seeing seasoned pros right. in this context. Right, exactly. And all of a sudden, you're then, then you start to see, okay, that doesn't look exactly right. Okay, that needs work. That, and so it's it's weird to kind of, when you put them in that, in that way. It's almost easier to evaluate. Yeah, it almost is. Because then you can see, you see them as yours now, but then you see and compare it to, okay, I've seen 
our offensive line, I've seen our defensive line, you know, do things. I've seen J.J. Watt rush the passer. So when I'm watching guys rush the passer and it doesn't look quite right, it's like, okay, he's got these technique things he's got to work on. It's almost easier at that point. But you can just tell how fluid Titus and Max both are. I mean, especially Titus. Max is probably not as much, but I like the look of what those two guys are going to bring. But can we get can we get to have we got into the third round pick yet? Can we get there, please? <laughs> you want to lead with that, don't you? I do. I do. I really I mean, do. He's, he's one of those. You know, I always talk about guys who are impossible not to notice during training camp, but yes. that's when the full squad is here. Right. Impossible not to notice so and so. That's a category for me. I need to get the acronym going. So the guy who was impossible not to notice today was wearing Owen Daniels' old number, yeah. 81. Mm-hmm. But he looks different than Owen Daniels. Mm-hmm. It's Kahale wearing the third-round draft choice tight end from San Diego State, former water polo player. That'll be brought up whenever he's brought up in a national broadcast or maybe even locally for a while till we really get to know him well. But, man, did he look good out there. Now, look, it's the rookies. We're not going to oversell yeah. it. But looked like he had a really good first-day rookie minicamp. And it looks like he's going to be able to do some things on a football field that'll be real nice. But we'll just have to wait and see. So you're exactly right. You're exactly right. You we are going to have to wait and see. But you got to love how that guy moves. Yeah. And just running his routes on air, you can just see how how athletic he is and how fast he is and the movements that he makes to get For open. A big guy. For that's a, the thing. Guy six five two fifty two. Well, that's and, and that's unbelievable to me because that's the thing that stands out. If he's 6'5", 250 plus, moving around like that, my goodness, what a matchup problem he could potentially be. Exactly. But he's going to have to do all the little things well and run the routes properly and, and develop as a blocker and, and all that. But let's see what he can do. No doubt. And look, Jordan Thomas last year had to do that. Jordan Akins had to adjust and do those kind of things. They've got they've got it. They've got a year on him in some sense. They've played NFL ball. They've they've blocked NFL defensive ends. You know, they've run routes against NFL safeties and corners uh, mm-hmm. and nickels. I mean, those are all the things that they they have uh, in their back pocket. Kali hasn't done that yet, but I'm going to be excited to watch this entire tight end group. I mean, to have you know, I think back to 2016 when it was CJ and Griff, and they caught I think 104 passes between them. I, I loved watching. I loved watching them because they could create mismatches on the field. And now you're talking about doing it with a number of guys. And this guy coming in is, I mean, it's, it's funny you said that because I remember it was like 81. You see 81, you first think of Owen Daniels. And you've been around that long, and then you seem like Owen didn't look like that. No. Owen was a great tight end. He didn't look like that. Yeah, and Owen was a pro bowler. Yeah. Owen's got a Super Bowl ring. Owen was really amazing. But uh, let's just see how this guy can develop. What Bill O'Brien had to say about that tight end group that you're talking about, the vets and the new guy collectively. And also, we'll get into the rest of the draft choices and the college free agents who looked good to us. Rookie minicamp underway. It's Texans Radio. Rookie minicamp underway. It's Texans Radio here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Well, the practice from day one in the books. We're talking about Kahale Waring, third-round draft choice, a tight end. What about that tight end group, including him? Bill O'Brien was asked about the athleticism of the group after the practice session. These guys now, uh, Jordan Thomas, Jordan Akins, and, and Kahali, they're big, big, good athletes. I mean, they can they can run, they can catch, they're smart, they know where to line up, they understand. I mean, Kahali's not there yet, but the, these guys, Akins and Thomas, are having really good off-season programs for us. Kahali had a pretty good day today, just, you know, for day one um, out here. So they're, they're, they're guys that are, um, 
you know, really athletic for their size and, and do a nice job of, uh, you know, understanding our offense. Well, it should also be pointed out that Jordan Akins was really good in that Watt Charity Softball Classic. You know, he was a former professional. Crushed it. Pro- former professional baseball player, so he can bring it that way too. The first home run he hit got into the Crawford boxes, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was a softball swing too. That's what I thought was amazing about it is, you know, baseball swing, guys' feet are set. He kind of took this little, kind of moved himself out of the way and just yak. And I remember we were sitting down at third base side and I saw the ball. I was like, whoa. I told my daughter, I was like, that's crushed. He's, he, man, he's. What an athlete. JJ did not have him in the home run hitting contest, the home how, run contest. How about in the tight end group? You have, you've got water polo expertise, baseball expertise. Yeah. Very true. Basketball expertise. Wide got receiver a, expertise. You got wide receiver expertise. You got a lot of different skill you set. Do. Well, I think that's kind of the, the what you're looking for in a tight end in some sense. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's you think about that position, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, a lot of those guys are too short to continue into basketball. Mm-hmm. And they love the physical aspect. So it's really, it's it's kind of a good, it's a good fit to play that tight end position. Guys that have hands. I mean, look at Antonio Gates. Gates was too strong. He was a guy, or too small to make it to the NBA, he was kind of a he was kind of a paint player. He was a guy who played in the, played the paint a lot, and it's like NBA wasn't going to happen for him. He didn't want to go overseas. It's like, hey, let me try football, and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. We talked about the tackles in the first segment. What about the corners who were drafted? Xavier Crawford, Lonnie Johnson. They were out there getting their first taste of NFL action, and again, it's rookie on rookie stuff out there, Johnny. Obviously, the offense always has the advantage, in my opinion, yeah. in these things yes. where you really can't hit. And there's really no major pressure on the quarterback either. No doubt. And I think the one thing for – and I, I thought about this as I was watching practice. I know we all talk about, well, quarterbacks playing spread schemes and all that kind of stuff. Seth Payne and I were actually talking about this uh, out of practice. The different techniques and things that defensive backs are doing in college have become – the gap between what they're doing in college and what they're doing in the NFL is, is so very How is that different. different? Like, how could you put that in a way the listener driving well, around here's might a, understand? here's a simple one. Okay. When you see a defensive back and he's in zone coverage, you see that guy, you know, backpedal, right? He's, yeah. he's basically walking backwards. What colleges are teaching now is instead of going and, and walking backwards, they're literally just turning and side-shuffling. They're kind of side-shuffling – Instead of going backwards, wait—they're doing the hardened defense on receivers. Yeah, that's that, there are a lot of schools that are doing that. Not not all. They're doing the Utah Jazz versus Harden thing. Yeah, they're just kind of they're kind of side shuffling with guys yeah. instead of going backwards. And when you go backwards, and people say, "Well, what's the difference?" When you go backwards, you have an opportunity to go either way to the right, to the left. You can break either way. Yep. When you side shuffle, if you side shuffle, then they throw a ball to the outside. Now all of a sudden you got to get your your hips turned all the way back around, all and the way out. around instead yeah. of uh, instead of a quarter turn, it's a exactly. complete one eighty. And the NFL receivers will eat that alive, right. won't they? Exactly. So there are some there's some technique stuff that all these these rookie defensive backs are going to have to deal with. And you're right. Well, look, a lot of the routes that that the Texans receivers are running, these are all routes these guys have run before. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the coverages and things are different for the DBs. Like, wait a second. When I was in school, I just went and locked up the, the guy on the outside, and that was my guy. And I, I was with him 100% of the time. And now you tell me I got to read number two out to number one if two does this. So there are a lot of different things for DBs. And if they get caught thinking too much, mm-hmm. it could be trouble. But I think you give these guys time. Look, Lonnie Johnson on the hoof, whew, he's a good looking. I mean, he's legit. He walked by me 
And I was like, he's legit 6'2". Legit 6'2", 213. So he's a big guy. And I saw at the Senior Bowl how much trouble he gave guys when he was able to come up and just purely press them. They had had a really difficult time getting away from him. So in this kind of thing, you're not doing that. So I don't know if it really plays to his strengths, to be honest with you, but I think with Xavier Crawford and Lonnie Johnson, those are a couple guys that are going to come up and they're going to challenge you, especially if you want to play press. They're going to come up and challenge you and get right in your jockstrap and force you to have to beat them. But there are going to be some things that they're going to have to overcome because because of the you know, different things that are being taught. And, look, I watched enough Xavier and Lonnie to know that they can do it. They can do some of the things that they're going to be asked. But just the techniques can be different for a, for a DB. And so it'll take a little while. Just like for Titus and for Max, some of those things are going to take a little while for it to come along. But when it does, I think you like the paint that's going up on the canvas. Right. Well, I think here, you like that. Here's the other thing to think about, and this is what the coaches are watching for. They video every aspect of every. practice from every angle, right? right? So they're going to show these guys things tonight, tomorrow right. morning. They're going to go back out there, and they're going to see who responds even instantly from day one to day two. Now yep. it takes a while, and I'll go back to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the quick little story of Deshaun Watson two years ago as a rookie and throughout OTAs. Remember, early on in OTAs, he was the third stringer. Yep. Watson was the third stringer. Right. And we're watching him out there. We're thinking – uh, you know, okay, he's a great athlete, Clemson. You know, it's gonna it's gonna take. We were saying stuff like this, right? Yeah. yeah. A few weeks later, we go out there, and oh my gosh, it's yeah. showtime. Even with the third team, mm-hmm. it's showtime. The third that. team looked good. I remember the that. third team looked like they were ready to beat the first team, and it really wasn't the other guys. And you know, with all due respect, it was Watson elevating everybody's game. Right. Uh, that was a quarterback. That was an extreme example. It's Deshaun Watson. We all get it. But my point is this. Some guys will respond right away. Some guys, it's going to take a few weeks to to get to a certain level. And I'm not saying that certain level is good enough to play in the NFL uh, on a very consistent basis, but it's got to be better than what you saw today and so on and so forth. They all got to get better. I keep saying that, but it's it sounds simplistic, no, right. but it's got to be done. They got to get that accomplished. You just mentioned a really big thing. When, when you're watching film with your college coach and you've been in that system for a while, you you know it. Mm-hmm. You know it pretty well. And you've heard it for three, four years. So you, you kinda know you kinda know what they're gonna say. You accept the coaching, you move on. Now you're coming to a whole new new situation. So take Lonnie and, and Xavier, for instance. They go into a room with, with Midge and Midge is telling him something maybe different than what they've heard before. Right. Not saying right, wrong, or different, just it's different. The way they're teaching it, the way the Texans teach it, the way Midge teaches it. It's going to be different. And he may be pointing things out that they've never even seen before. And I say seen in air quotes. They might have seen it, but they haven't seen it through his eyes. And he's looking at him saying, look, what do you see here? Look at the split. Look at his feet. Look at the way he's getting off. Look at his eyes. Look at, there might be things that Midge is telling him that they're going to be like, whoa, I've never heard that before. Because mm-hmm. that happens a lot to, to rookies that come from college where they get great coaching even. But it's something that they've not heard before. Like, whoa, I didn't even, I didn't even know. I mean, Brett Favre said he didn't even know what nickel was when he got from USM to, into the NFL. So there, there are going to be some things okay, that I mean, they that, hear that before. That quote has like a whole 30 for 30 oh, attached to it. Exactly. So there are going to be some things that they see up on the screen. They go, whoa, okay, lock it away. Yep. Next time I go out on the field, next time we were able to see them, see if those things have changed. And you're right. You bring up Deshaun. It was noticeable from the very first time we saw him 
to the next time we saw him, whoa, holy smokes, this looks a lot different. Yep. And it made, us feel, it. it made us feel really good. Like, okay, if he's taking those strides, yep. that's a great thing. Yep. Where is it ending up? All right. So I'm kind of inspired to form a Leonard Skinner tribute band because the seventh-round draft choice, Colton Gillespie, so the 12th man, kind of reminds me of Ronnie Van Zant. You know, he took off the he helmet, and I, I felt like Freebird <laughs> was going to come on any moment. There was no music today, right? We didn't have any music in there that I recall. Maybe they had it during stretching and we didn't see it. But if they did, it should have been Freebird. It should have been Freebird. It should have been Leonard Skinner because he reminds me of Ronnie, who was a great vocalist, outstanding, charismatic leader of a band. But anyway, Gillespie, he moves around pretty well, too. I mean, I don't know how he's going to fit in offensively, if at all. I mean, obviously, today he's running offense with these guys. But special teamer they talked about that the night they drafted him they also talked about playing some fullback or whatever mm-hmm. possibly they didn't have a fullback on the roster a pure fullback last year is he a pure fullback is he a guy he's a special teamer who yeah. can help you on offense in a variety of ways i don't know how to define him in that way john he, that's both good and bad i suppose but i guess he's going to line up at fullback but i'll tell you this just watching him run routes yep you can see the speed and, mm-hmm. and I've told the story. I was at A&M Pro Day, and I was standing behind. And I almost didn't go just because I didn't think, you know, all the guys that went to the Combine for A&M had good numbers. And I think, what am I going for? Like, what am I going to see? And I started right. racking my brain like, eh, I don't know. And then I watched Glassby uh, run the 40, and I went, whoa, that's a good time. That's a really good time. And then he did it his second time. I was like, boy, he's moving. Well, you could see it out here. And you could see it out on the field today, yep. too. When he goes yep. out to the flat, he caught. there was one time he went out to the flat, he caught the ball, and he turned up, and it was like, Phew. So he's got an opportunity in front of him because you're right. There is no fullback. So if the Texans want to have a fullback out on the field, they have an option with him. So I've seen him run the ball, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you would – in a you would hey hey let's let's give him reps over my other running backs right. But if you got to turn hand the ball to Colin Glaspia, that's not a bad thing. You know, it's not a bad thing. He's a really good athlete. Does he affect the tight end group being able to play some H back or whatever? I don't know. This is going to be an interesting topic as we move forward. Okay, coming up, what about the undrafteds? Who shined? You know, we were talking about the DBs. On the other side of that, the guys battling against them, pretty good looking group for a bunch of rookies. Yep. But some of them have more experience than you think. We'll talk about them next. It's Texans Radio. It's the show that gets you inside the building. NRG Stadium here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we continue to recap Rookie Minicamp, the start of it. Now, we also have some sad news for, from the Texans organization. Duke Edgefor had to be put on injured reserve with a reported injury. Like, they didn't release this but no. it was out there that it was an Achilles and it's terrible and man this one really stings edge of four who looked good as a rookie in the preseason flashed a little bit during the regular season you really wanted to see what the sophomore season was going to be like rushing the passer whatever else he could do but he's going to be out for a while unfortunate because I think he is we always say you can't have enough pass rushers he's that guy that has this toolbox of moves that he can he, I still go back oh, to. Oh, he did the crossover thing. He did and this, you like that. This crossover hesitation, like basketball move on a pass rush. And I lost my mind. I was like, I've never seen anybody doing it. I've seen more guys do it since. 
but I had never seen anybody do it up to that point. I'm like, my gosh, this guy's just a natural, a natural rushing the quarterback. So we'll see what that's gonna what that's gonna mean for the pass rush crew mm-hmm. going forward. But you know, it gives an opportunity for some of these undrafted guys that uh, we got an opportunity to talk about. One from Maryland who could be very very intriguing was a good pass rusher. Uh, Jesse Anabona, who was a good pass rusher in the Big Ten, so we'll see. But look, opportunity. What do you say? Next man up. Doesn't matter yep. where it comes from at this point. But unfortunate that Duke Duke uh, went down with that injury. And I, look, I don't know. We don't know how bad it is. We don't know the extent of it. We don't know if it's torny or surgery or whatever the case might be. But hopefully, we can get Duke back in in due time and get him back on the field and let him see what he can do. Well, Johnny, you have six players out there who have been part of this organization last year, and one of them is Davin Bellamy yeah. out of Georgia. So we'll see if he gets into the mix somehow. But let's talk about some of the undrafted. I'll start here, though, with these players because I mentioned the wide receiver group at the end of the last segment, and Stephen Mitchell, who got into a game in the regular season, yeah. game or two, right? Right. Able to help out on special teams. And Jester Wea, who we talked about a bunch during camp last year, you know, they're out there and they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys have practiced with the vets. I mean, Mitchell looked pretty good out there to me. Wea obviously has shined here before in practice situations, and you want to see it happen in games for him. But they are among some really intriguing names and performance performances. I'm not going to call it that during a practice, but just guys who showed you some things in the rookie minicamp opener. Yeah, that – look, when you talk about Davin Bellamy, that was a guy that I really liked him out of Georgia. I was a little surprised that he didn't get drafted. I think for Davin, it's just got to be more consistency. That was one of the things that Georgia – like there were times where Bellamy could take over a game. Mm-hmm. He could take he could take over the game, really could. I mean, opposite even DeAndre Walker – who got drafted by the Titans in the fifth round. Bell- Bellamy could take over the game, but it just wasn't consistent enough. But I think a guy like Steve Mitchell, I mean, you saw that speed. I mean, he played one play in that Jaguars game. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Jaguars game. And drew pass interference. It was a huge pass interference yeah. call. Texas were able to score shortly thereafter uh, against that Jaguars defense. So Mitchell, to me, and Jester Weah, you talked about, I thought the receivers overall looked really good today. Yeah. I thought they looked really good. Johnny Dixon's going to be a problem. Johnny mm-hmm. Dixon's going to be a problem for people. And we knew that coming in. Look, Johnny Dixon not getting drafted was a crime. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a football draft crime. I'm not putting it up there with some of the other crimes that obviously, you know, grand well, theft, why auto, did, all that why kind of stuff. Happen? He's 5'11", 200 pounds. He know. runs fast. The routes look crisp. He catches the ball well. I, when you watch him operate out here, if you told me, oh, that's a third-round draft choice, I'd say, okay. I know. I mean, based on what he did today, I, I'd say, okay, all right, whatever. Mark, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't think Devere Posey, who actually looked pretty good at times before he got the Achilles injury, I don't think he looked any better in his rookie camp than Johnny Dixon did today. Now, I don't want to put all that out there and on him or whatever, but, you know, he looked like a guy that – a lot of teams might have been interested in. I mean, I just look at the list of receivers, and I've got the draft list in front of me, and I, and I look at this group of receivers, and you know, one of the things for Johnny, unfortunately, was the fact that he was at Ohio State with Paris Campbell, with Terry McLaurin, with K.J. Hill, who's still there. He was one of four guys, and so he ran 4-4, though. I mean, you know, Paris Campbell was six foot two hundred five. You know, Johnny's a little shorter than that. I'm not sure what Johnny's what they list him at five eleven one ninety eight. Not that much. I I just I just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those I just didn't get. I didn't have him in my one hundred. But when I I did for my own purposes, I did like a two hundred just so you know draft 
just for the draft weekend, I could go just back and reference different things. Really. Yeah. And so I had him like 120, 130. So when I saw he was undrafted, I sort of forgot about him because I wasn't thinking wow. much about receivers for us. But when I saw that, yeah, Johnny Dixon's going to sign with the Texans, I went, whoa, Johnny Dixon didn't get drafted? That was my first thought. And then I'm like, we signed him? Holy smokes. So watching him, yeah, he, he's, he is skilled in so many different ways. So hopefully for a guy like him, he looks at it and says, yeah, I got a chip on my shoulder. I don't know how I didn't get drafted. I don't know what it was. And I, and I hope that's something that drives him for years. I hope it gives him opportunity because he's going to be a handful. But I'll tell you, today between Stephen Mitchell and Johnny Dixon and then uh, Teron Lewis, or I'm sorry, Teron Johnson from out of Oklahoma State, who had a, I think he had a spell at LSU for a little bit. Uh, he's from New Orleans. Yeah, he was at LSU for a little bit, then he transferred to Oklahoma State. Johnson was a guy that declared early. Mm-hmm. And I thought he could have used another year at Oklahoma State. I just to kind of polish up his game. But you could see the athleticism. He's got good size for a receiver at 6'1", 195. So he's got good size. I just felt like he probably should have gone back. But then again, and I've said this many times, I will never, as a, when a guy uh, declares early, I'll, I will never chastise him for that because you never know why. You never know what, you this never situation, know what the situation is. Situation is. Floyd never. Allen. Floyd Allen. What about him? He's from Houston. He, he went to Oklahoma. Oh, no, uh, Ole Miss. Ole rather. Miss. Yeah. He, he, look, at Ole Miss, if you're a wide receiver, you got, you got no time. It was yeah. DK, it was LaMarcus Lodge, and it was A.J. Brown. So you really didn't get much opportunity. And by the way, he's a tryout guy here, not an right. undrafted free agent, so he's not signed to the 90 yet, yeah, if he, at all. He, he, uh, you kind of get lost in that, that cluster, if you will, of really not, not just good receivers, but exceptional receivers. All three ended up, uh, all three ended up being drafted. So he only caught six passes. Wow. He only caught six passes, but I don't know this to be fact, but my guess is he went to local pro day. He's from Houston. Right. So my guess is he probably went to local and pro day like, and huh. said, hey, check it out. You never know. He didn't. I'm telling you, he he did not look he, – he looked like he fit in. I'll put it that way. He looked like he fit in. The whole receiver group, I thought, looked looked really, really good. Steven Lewis from out of NC State, I thought he caught the ball really well. He's a big, He's a big dude. He's a really big dude. He Remind me of Gary Jennings, who got drafted uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. Lewis, 6'2", 215. Yeah. So this receiver group, I'm like, Jordan Tom, who's flipping the ball around, he's throwing it to Waring. He's throwing it to uh, Glaspia. He's throwing it to these wide receivers. I'm like, he's got it pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's got it pretty good because those guys uh, were, I mean, that's a really good group to throw to in a rookie minicamp. Right. In a rookie minicamp, that's a really good group to throw to. All right, my name guy, whose name do I want to make the team? Oh, Izzy Matthews. Izzy. Without a doubt. I mean, I want a player I knew that Izzy. right away. Running back name, Izzy. Izzy! Are you kidding? The Izzy Shuffle. No, that'd be a little different. <laughs> I uh, knew right away. There's a like, lot hey. you could do with it. And I looked at all the names and I went, oh, I know what this is. I got to say, in these types of practices, the running back position, there's really not a whole lot you can glean from what they're doing right. out there. The coaches know, right, do the guys know the snap? Do right. they, are they in the right spot? Maybe you see them catch the ball a little bit, but man, I mean, as far as like gaining yards, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. not, you're not getting a real look at that until you get at the training camp, really. Yeah, I don't know that I remember seeing a run play, to be honest. No, they did, they, well, they were doing some in, individual tough. Yeah, type individual stuff. stuff, yeah. But they weren't going 11 on 11, let's like go up the gut and try to get three no. yards. I mean, they're not doing that here. No, no, no. But Demario Crockett, he—you know what? You know what I saw on him 
uh, it just looks like he belongs. Yes. He just has that Thank look you. about him. Yes. He looks like an NFL running back. He's going to be another one that and, we go. And I don't know how if it's did gonna, he not get drafted. I don't know if that's going to translate into on-field performance. But we'll as see. far as you know, here, you know, Bill O'Brien talked about the underwear Olympics today at mm-hmm. the combine. This is not that they're in football gear, but without the pads. So this is somewhere between the underwear Olympics and real football. This is a step up. Yeah, and. To see guys out here doing anything, you get a little glimpse of what they might be able to do, and you see the potential that the coaches and Brian Gainstaff obviously saw in some of these guys. And here's the thing. If you're a tryout guy and you end up getting a contract, you're getting it after three days of work. That's it. So you've made a significant impression. And that's why those are the guys that have to – we were just talking about it. They have to improve between day one, day two, day three. They have to immensely. show that they take a gigantic leap based on the coaching that they yep. receive. They've got to get better instantly. Otherwise, no job. Yeah, no doubt. But back to the running backs. I said this the other day. I was on with uh, Sean and Clint on Triple Threat. They asked me, is there a name on this undrafted list? I said, well, it's not official yet. And I've seen preliminary lists come out and then a guy not be on that list. Mm-hmm. I said, but in 2016, as a true freshman, Demaria Crockett was a football running dude right. as a true freshman. And the fact that he's here, I, I'm, I'm pumped about that. I would love to see another undrafted SEC running back turn out like that other one did uh, that was pretty darn good in 2009. That would be yep. really nice. But Crockett in 2016, just watching him like, wow. This guy is good. He's a true freshman. He's going to be a superstar. And he just never could really get healthy over the next couple of years, significantly healthy, to really show off what he can do. But he's a lot healthier than he's been. And you can see it. He moves around very, very well for a guy that they list at 225. He looks at two, he does not look 225. He looks smooth and fluid. He catches the ball pretty well. That he He's going to be a problem, Mark. I just have a feeling mm. before this thing is said and done, Demario Crockett's going to have something to say about that running back position. All right, very cool stuff. Uh, as far as the tryout guys go, you know, Brian Gaines says he likes big players. How about these guards, Garrett Campbell, Tanner Farmer? I mean, these guys are huge, over 300 pounds apiece, and they are hard not to notice. But, again, offensive line, you don't know what you're seeing out there. Yeah. They just know where they're supposed to be, the coaches do. Are they following instructions? How's the footwork? Do they show that they've got some kind of potential? Because if you're going to take a tryout guy and yep. put him on your 90, you know, you think, well, 90 guys, you have so much opportunity just to, you know, load up that 90-man roster. They're still very careful with these spots. These are valuable spots. Like, we played the cut from Bill O'Brien in the opening segment. They don't take this stuff lightly. Yeah, there's no question. I think one of the names that stands out to me uh, is Garrett Davis. I went over to UC, uh, U of H Pro Day and watched Garrett work out. And I thought he had a, I thought he had a pretty good workout. Now, he's a little bit... He's a it lists him at six two two ten, and I don't mm. think that that's right. But if you remember in twenty sixteen, Oklahoma and Houston played here. Yep, and Oklahoma was running up and down the field at a time. Samaj P Ryan's just yeah, going Ryan. crazy, and P Ryan took a runner on the right side, and Davis came up from his safety position, and I think Davis was a sophomore at the time. And I'm telling you, he hit P. Ryan with everything he had. And P. Ryan, you could see him get up, and he was trying to like move his – he was squeezing his hand in and I out. I remember and that. Because Davis had hit, and I don't know if he hit a nerve. That was kind of like a game-changing hit and right there. everything flipped. Yeah. From that hit, everything flipped. Because you could just see it on the Houston sideline. Because that was right in front of the Oklahoma sideline. Mm-hmm. And the Houston sideline went nuts, and the game just changed. Everything changed on that moment. But I think Garrett Davis could play. Then banged up a little bit through his career at University of Houston, but – as a tryout player, look, there's, there are different ways that you can prove it. 
and hopefully he gives a, he gets a good opportunity to prove it. But I would love to see University of Houston player Garrett Davis safety get an opportunity to be on a 90-man roster. That would be kind of fun. I love talking about all this stuff, watching the coaches work, watching these players work, 45-plus players out there, a whole squad working out. We're going to get the veterans out there soon enough, May 20th, they get back to work. All right, we have a couple of minutes left. DeAndre Hopkins tweeted out, what's the best – was it vegan or vegetarian? Vegetarian. Restaurant? I need to talk to him because my daughter has gone vegan. So I got to figure out what people are telling him. Yeah. Well, I, I got to figure that if out. If you look at the if comments to his tweet, you know, Arian Foster gets involved because mm-hmm. remember he went vegan for a while. Yeah. And it's uh, it's not it's not controversial, but you know, when you ask like, what's the best vegetarian anything? To a broad audience in Texas, right. You're going to get some response. You yeah. know. Because, of course. Yeah, in the barbecue, state, yeah. barbecue country, Yeah, man. you do it out in California, it's a little different. Oh, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more way it's of life. Fine. It's fine. But not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. My daughter has gone full vegan. So I Wow. Full it, vegan. Full no v- dairy. Full vegan. Oh, my gosh. And it's weird. Is it? <laughs> now, weird. is she okay if – can you have a burger in front oh, of her? Oh, she's fine. She's she, fine with that. She's fine with that. All she right. just – I try not to do it. Yeah, but but she's she's okay she's okay with that. Yeah. But man, I'm telling you, trying to find, Dad, I'm hungry. Let's let's go eat. Like, mm-hmm. all right, well, where do we go? So luckily, we found some crepe places. So they've got some different, you know, machinations of things they can put together. There's a crepe place that we like to go. So there are different things that you can. And there's sometimes I'm like, wait, you can eat that? She's like, oh yeah, I can have them. I'm like, all right, cool, however. Whatever. There, there's a lot you can do with like almonds and almond flour, and I mean, that's what she so has much. is almond milk. Yeah, almond milk. Yeah, yeah, you can do all that stuff. I can't. That stuff. It's okay in cereal, I but do I can. Don't ever put it in my coffee. I can't don't do even it. come. Near she my puts coffee. it in her coffee. That's what oh, she no, uses. Don't come near my coffee with that stuff. I gotta have. I gotta have the real dairy product in there, and let's go. You know what today is, by the way? What? Today's the 25th anniversary of a really big moment in Houston sports history. You know what it is? Wait. Can, can you think about it? Think newspaper headlines. Oh, oh my gosh, it's OJ. No, it's not. Close, though. Wait, Close. what is it? What is it? This was the Clutch day City. that Choke City went across the, oh, yeah. went across the newspaper. Went across wow. the Houston Chronicle. Choke City. Rockets lose 20-point lead in fourth quarter to the Suns. And, yeah, that okay. was, it was Choke City 20, 25 years ago. I know. It feels like, oh. it feels like 10 years ago. All right. Hopefully that's inspiration for them. Good luck to the Rockets tonight taking on the Golden State Warriors. Knock them off and move on. That's going to do it for our show. If you want to hit rewind on it, it'll be up on HoustonTexans.com on the app as well. Momentarily, you can hear all about the rookies as rookie minicamp is underway. Have a great night, everyone. Don't forget to check out Texans 360 on ABC 13 Saturday night at 11 o'clock. I'll be on with Drew Doherty. Go Texans!